Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Got mail. You, you got mail. Welcome in to Nick's Mail Dot Bag from the Strickland. And this show is brought to you by Ticket IQ. Go to ticketiq.com and use promo code Strickland and you can get $10 off your order of $100 or more. Certainly a good thing to do right now because the Knicks seem to finally maybe almost be playing a little better at home. I don't know. I got to see a good home win over the weekend. That was fun. So if you want to be like me, and go to the garden and see a good game. Uh, Ticket IQ promo code Strickland for $10 off. And uh, I'm, of course, Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of this little site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. And I am joined today by my first co-host, and I will later be joined by my other co-host, uh, because, you know, I'm the only one that's dedicated enough to be here for the whole episode and to run this whole thing. But uh, I will introduce... My buddy Matt Weiss, who you might know as Matt Weiss, who you might know as at Wampirm on Twitter. Matt, how are you doing on this finest of evenings? It's a you know, it's a great Tuesday, relatively warm for late January, so can't really complain about that, Alex. Uh, I will say though, Mister, I'm the only one dedicated. We had to start at six o'clock because you have to leave at eight. Well, sort of. I mean, you know, it's. Saying I have a two-hour window is pretty solid. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up. And it's only so I can go record another podcast. Yeah, okay. I mean, we all have shit to do. You know, Zach's got to work. I've got to go play volleyball. uh... (laughs) Those things all seem equally on the same footing. I mean, honestly, like, in fairness, Zach having to work and you having to work later is, like, pretty equal. This is is also you can uh, do this whole volleyball season and bomb out in the first round again. Am I right? Hey! Yeah, fuck you. Um, no, we'll be better. We we were missing our best player last season, um, but but we'll be we'll be better this season. I'm disappointed back. that you are not the best player on your team. I'm 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 not the best player. Um, but you know, you're the I can recognize my talent level, and I'm not the best player on the team. You're the emotional leader, and that's what matters. Um, I'm the captain. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah. there you go. Uh, at any rate, uh, I'll give the, the Patreon pitch real quick. This episode is, of course, available totally for free 
uh, on your Strickland Podcast Network feed, but uh, the other episodes of the Knicks Mail Bag with Schwinn and either Jeremy or Drew and the Friday edition of Pod Strickland are available for Patreon subscribers only, at least the full versions. You can always listen to a 30-minute preview, but full versions of those pods are available for $6 subscribers to our Patreon and also access to the Strickcord, the Strickland Discord, where we got a lot of the questions for today's episode is available in the $6 tier of our Patreon. For the $9 tier of the Patreon, you can also get Strick and Roll, another pod with Schwinnie Poo that comes out every other week, and weekly exclusive articles from Matthew Miranda and Jack Huntley. So lots of great stuff. If you want to check out the Patreon and get even more Strickland content, we also have other higher tiers that let you do things like listen in on Pod Strickland episodes, uh, lets you potentially be on a Pod Strickland episode, host a Pod Strickland episode, all kinds of good stuff. So there's there's lots of stuff available to you guys if you want to uh, support us on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash the Strickland. And we have, my goodness, a buttload of questions for this episode. So I will hold us back no longer with idle chit-chat and just get right into them. Uh, Matt, I decided to put... Uh, I, I did mention that Zach's coming in later on, right? Yeah. But I forget to mention... Well, either way, yeah. So to be clear, we imply this, but what's happening tonight, just given all of our schedules, is um, I'm here with Alex at the beginning. I have to leave in about an hour and 15 minutes. Um, Zach should be showing up in about an hour, and so we'll have a very small amount of overlap in the middle of the episode, and then Zach's going to take it home. So that's that's the plan for today. Yes. So we'll open up with just you and I answering these questions, and then we'll get to uh, uh, the rest of them. Hopefully get in a few questions with the three of us and then finish off with me and Zach. But uh, that means you're going to miss uh, mail.bag after dark. Yeah, it is my favorite part. But, um, yeah. you know, I just realized this means, you know, we were joking about doing a certain question up front earlier, and instead it presumably is at the back. So you're going to get to uh, – Make fun of uh, my manhood. Yeah, yeah, probably. I mean, stick, around, <laughs> stick around for the end of the episode yeah. if you want to know what that means. <laughs> um, at any rate, all right, our first question. You've got mail. Comes from our very own Doug, who you might know as Scooter Toots on Twitter, uh, but asked this through the Discord. Do you think Julius Randle's play is related to the theory of him actually wanting out and he's just waiting for after the Feb- after February 4th when he can officially be traded? Matt, what do you think? Is that a theory? I don't. I haven't heard this theory, but according to Drew, it's a theory. <laughs> Listen, Doug, you can't just become a scoopster on your own, all right? I don't know. I think that's why. I'm not even answering the question. We're going to talk about Doug thinking that he's like, you know, Shams. But he's not. He's Doug, and he doesn't have any sources. Um, I don't – okay, I'll answer the question. I don't, I don't think – I don't think Randall wants that. Why would why would he want out? I mean, it's been like he just signed a under market contract like four months ago. Um, not even less than that. Um, because he was like very happy here. I I'm, I guarantee he's not like looking in the mirror and being like it's everyone else's fault that I'm like playing like shit this season. I think he, you know, it was just he had a rough start and he's like now mentally pressing and. Um, just making things worse, but I don't think I don't, I, and I'm probably getting ahead of myself a little bit. Some of our questions coming up here. I don't think Randall wants to be traded. I don't think that extra trading him uh, anytime soon. So, yeah, I, I don't really think so either. I certainly don't think he's like intentionally 
sabotaging or that he's already checked out because he knows that like there's a trade set up already. I mean, he did sign the contract with the intention of sticking in New York, I, unless he's really that bothered by like the fact that the fans boo him when he plays like shit. Um, after, you know, he didn't have to deal with any fans last year. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. Maybe he just thought that the garden would always just be like Japanese style, like only polite claps, you know, and, and cheering for him. But like, yeah, it's just not, it's not the city, but he also, you know, he knows the feeling of, of having a, a crowd of garden faithful, even if it was only 20% crowds last year, chant MVP when you're playing super well, uh, you know, so I think that he understands, you know, that performance will lead to better standing in the city. I, I don't think that he's like, I don't, like sabotaging himself out already after, again, like you said, like the, the ink's only been dry on that contract for, I don't know, like seven months, if that, like, yes, let's just get this answer. You can keep talking while I look this up, but we, we've been throwing out a bunch of random numbers. Yeah, it's. I think he signed it. I mean, he signed it right towards the right before training camp. I think so. It hasn't even been that long. I guess it's yeah, been like five yeah. months. I, I'm I'm thinking. I said four. But yeah, actually, September might even be too late. Um, August twenty seventh. There you go. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, so uh, months, almost exactly. All right. Yeah. So I don't. I don't think that he's trying to trying to force the way out. So let's just get to our next question, uh, which. Uh, spoiler alert, I, I grouped all these together because they're all kind of in the same vein of like, is Julius Randle going to be before, I just have to say, for asking that question, Drew is fired. Yeah, I, well, he was already fired. I mean, yeah, but like, it, he's like for real fired now. Like anyone, if Drew tries to represent the opinions of the Strickland, Strickland going forward, remind him that he's been fired. Yeah, that's a good idea. You've got mail. Yeah. Uh, all right, moving to our next question. This one comes from Twitter. Uh, from Yuram Lakaj at Lakaj on Twitter. Uh, Yuram asks, after February 3rd, Randall, Burks or Noel, McBride for Fox and Bagley. The Knicks send Dallas's first and two Detroit seconds, 2023 and 2024, to the Kings. And then it says in parentheses, I'm betting the Kings trade Barnes and Heald in separate trades, which opens up spots for Randall and Burks. Thoughts? Uh, let's just assume in a vacuum that this is a deal that the Knicks would entertain. Matt, sure. if, if, if let's say that this deal just got made, what's your reaction? Uh, bad. Yeah. <laughs> My reaction is, is very poor. <laughs> yeah. um, but Dallas first is not, I'll work backwards through here. Two Detroit seconds, you know, as second rounders go, actually pretty valuable. Uh, so that sucks. Um, but Dallas first is first go, not super valuable, but obviously more valuable than the, the Detroit seconds. Um I I love I think I've said this on the podcast before, but I loved Aaron Fox, but like I don't. What the fuck would we like? That would be. What would we do? I, I don't know. As you can see, I'm like struggling here. This is really no offense to Aaron, but this is like I would hate this so much. So just to give a little context, uh, we were just talking about Julius Randall's contract, right? Julius Randall in the final year of his contract, if he picks up his player option will only be making in 2025-26 will mm. only be making a million more than the first year of De'Aaron Fox's rookie max extension. Mm. And Fox's rookie max extension by the time it's done, which both those have if they both see their their contracts totally out would both end in 
mm-hmm. uh, Fox would be making eight million more than Julius Randle uh, in the final year of their contracts. So yeah, I like that to me is one of the deciding factors of this. Also, I mean, as much as Knicks fans dislike that Julius Randle has taken a step back this year, which has led to all this speculation and all these attempts to, you know, trade him and whatever else. Consider the fact that De'Aaron Fox at 24 years old has taken significant steps back in every single area of his game this year, Uh, scoring the ball. He is scoring less points. He is dishing two less assists per game. He is, uh, he is rebounding better than last year and tied with his career high. Shit, my a whole argument is, is year, flawed here. Forget it. Just just forget it. You gotta but, <laughs> but he's shooting a solid two percentage points worse overall. He is shooting his worst three-point percentage of his entire career this year so far. And he's only shooting marginally better from the free throw line than he ever has in his career. So I am I I loved De'Aaron Fox coming out of college. If you told me that the Knicks could get him for free somehow. Or if you could just maybe put together the salaries of like Burks, Noel, and um, Taj, and someone else, you know, like the the old veteran salaries, and ship them out for him, and essentially get him for free, I'd say sure, go for it, uh, Kemba. That would actually make that would be the perfect deal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, Kemba, Kemba Nerlens, Burks, and Taj would equal De'Aaron Fox's salary. So the thing you know, is, like, you don't. You want to bring in a point guard to like ideally fix Randall. Why are you trading Randall here? Yeah, and the other thing is, you know, he's like a point guard version of Randall. Like he can't. Yeah, I mean that would be a terrible fit, obviously. But yeah, I just I I don't know. I I don't I don't love this deal. To be completely honest, I you know giving up assets too. I mean, you're essentially by giving up the Dallas first and the two Detroit seconds with how bad Detroit is. You know, this year, and I don't think that's going to take a massive step forward in just two years' time. Uh, you're essentially almost giving up like three late first round picks. Mm-hmm. In addition to that package, I I think the Knicks are coming out way worse in this deal because on yeah. top of that, you're giving up McBride too. You're giving up Burks, who is a functional rotation yeah, player. I don't, even, I don't even know why. Also, like Noel, assuming he's healthy, like now that he's healthy again, Noel looks like Noel again. So, like, I know he's very limited, but. I don't really want to give him up for Bagley. Yeah, and Marvin Bagley, I've always sort of like come to bat for in a way because I thought that he was good coming out of college and like I had pretty high hopes for him in the NBA. But like he's done literally nothing in the NBA. (laughs) He's been really bad. (laughs) Like he is. If he's not terrible, he's injured, and if he's not injured, he's terrible. You know what I mean? It's just like nothing has gone right for him in his NBA career so far. So you're essentially like taking a fly, uh, the biggest possible flyer, on him. Uh, while also committing to giving De'Aaron Fox almost $40 million in four years' time. Um, it's just, I just don't love it. I, I would not do it. I would just ride it out with Randall, who we'll get to in a minute, because we're still talking about some Randall questions, but I think is on, like, in general, a below market value contract, given his skill set, even for all of his struggles this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's get into our next into the next mock trade here because we got a few of these and, and a few other Randall questions. So you've got mail. Our next question comes from Stingy, uh, who uh, he asked through our through our Discord, but you might know him on Twitter as at I though. 
so Stingy put in a like a trade NBA um, screenshot that said Ben Simmons, George's Niang, and Isaiah Joe for Julius Randle, Alec Burks, and Kemba Walker. Uh, and then Stingy asked, would you do it? If not, what would it take Schwinn to make it? It's funny because he thought Schwinn was going to be doing this, but it's us. Joke's on you, Stingy. Uh, if not, what would it take us to make a Simmons deal? Uh, you sour sweetie pies. I just, I just modified the question. No, I, I accept he doesn't. He doesn't think we're sour. I, I, maybe he thinks we're s- slightly sour. I don't know. Um, anyway, Stingy then says, "Let's just say you have to." Dolan mandated Simmons deal. <laughs> uh, also, would Niang be a good fit on the front line? I honestly think yes. Um, so the the first part, I mean, so what do you think about the deal that Stingy proposed? Would you do it, or would you insist on something different? I mean, I I just I don't really want Penn Simmons personally. Um, so, no. This is a much more reasonable, like, I mean, if the trade was made, like, under the list that you have to, I would be much less upset with this one than the Fox trade. Um, because, I mean, really what we're doing here is, like, essentially Randall and, and Burks for Simmons and, like, yeah, and Yang and Joe or whatever. But, like, it's really just Randall and Burks for Simmons, which is, you know, essentially fine with me. Um but I ultimately I, I wouldn't I just don't want to trade for Simmons, so I would be against this. Yeah, I would I mean this deal is fine and everything. I Simmons certainly doesn't solve whatever spacing issues that have existed <laughs> no. with Randall this year. Uh hopefully you'd be able to get the buy-in from him on defense, because I do think that his defensive ceiling is much higher than Randall's. Um even when you know, to that's not to downplay Randall's defense, which is great when he's really locked in, but uh Simmons' defense is legitimately like all NBA potential, you know, DPOI down the year, mm-hmm. you know, down the down the line, kind of, uh, you know, good. So, uh, it, yeah, I guess if you want to commit to him basically running the offense, but I've been kind of enjoying this version of the Julius and RJ pairing lately, where Julius is sort of playing decoy slash second fiddle to RJ, and a lot of. The importance of that is the fact that Julius does, even if he's not hitting at as high of a rate now, he gets respected for mid-range and three-point range, which is drawing a lot of coverage still, which is giving RJ room to work and and letting him start to blossom into a much better player in front of our eyes. So, you know, I I, I don't know for sure that I would be like super enthusiastic about this. They did it. I'm with you. I would if if it was this or the Fox trade that was just mentioned a second ago, I would take this deal. Um personally, if I'm constructing a deal for Simmons and I don't think this is realistic at all, like that Maury would take it because I saw, I saw some thing like yesterday, I think that said, you know, and and there's rumors flying all over the place about what it's going to take to get Simmons. But there was some rumor that like Maury still thinks that he can trade for James Harden using Ben Simmons. Uh, Seems like maybe he can. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, that would be wild if he manages to pull that one off, I guess. But, you know, if that's what the price is going to be, my offer would get laughed off the table. But, you know, my I would just say, like, you can have, you know, a few first round picks and salaries that'll match. And that's basically what I would do. So I would do like the Dallas pick, maybe this year's pick protected top 10 or something. Um, And then like, you know, a couple of those Detroit seconds and you know, maybe one other pick, like... With See, like, the thing is, like, if you if you trade for Simmons without trading Randall, now what? Like, this... That makes the team worse. 
I think it would have to be with the with the acknowledgement that Simmons would be okay playing more like a Giannis role, which okay. I don't know. I don't know if he's physically willing to do that, but he would have to essentially commit to being like, okay, we're going to play like the most ridiculously entertaining version of small ball you've ever seen in your life. And it's going to be like, we're going to have like Simmons. I mean, think, think about this. You could actually have this lineup out there and I think it would work quite well. You could potentially play Simmons, Randall, Obi, RJ and quickly out there all at once. Yeah, good luck convincing Tibbs to run those five out together. See, but he might because if Simmons can prove that he can like sort of protect the rim in a way, while you know, you know that Obi and and Randall and Simmons can and RJ, quite frankly, can all rebound the ball really well. I think you could maybe convince him that that's a lineup that you could do. I don't. I don't see it. And then then you just kind of have Simmons running it, you know, on offense as like the point guard as he likes to be where he can run pick and rolls and, and, you know, pressure the rim and kick out to, you know, Randall, Obi, RJ quickly as shooters. Uh, but on defense, he can sort of just like kind of prowl the paint and play, you know, switch on to anybody. And you'd have an extremely switchy team at that point. I think you'd have to, I think two things. One, you have to convince Randall to guard threes probably. Right. And it's like, it seems generally speaking, I know there's a lot of switching, but like I, he can, We've seen him do it, but like I don't know if he's going to want to. Um, yeah, I mean, you could probably have Obi do it too. To be yeah, honest, yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know about that. Um, I mean, maybe, but I'm going to be rough for Obi. Um, and two, I, I see what you're saying. I just don't think Tiv will ever see someone who isn't, you know, like a quote unquote center being a center. I know that you're like, yeah, okay, you convince him that Simmons can can guard the paint like a normal center, but. I just don't think he'll like buy into it. Yeah, that's totally fair. I mean, I guess it would maybe it would just require that the Knicks, <laughs> if Tibbs doesn't embrace that philosophy, just be like, "Well, we're going to go find a new coach then," because we yeah, just I mean, a maybe yeah, in this player. So, um, I guess we would have to see how that would work. But I think that would be. I mean, if you really want to embrace like modern ball and and do something like that, then maybe that's something. I think that would work. If, if I think, yeah, assuming Tibbs either buys in or is fired. Um, so that someone else who will do it will coach. Um, you just have to convince Randall to be willing to like guard threes, which again, I think he can do it if he tries. He just yeah. has to actually try. Or depending on the matchup, you know, he can guard the four, the five, and Simmons can literally guard any position on the floor. Yeah, so, I mean, Randall can protect the rim again yeah. when he tries. He just has to try. Exactly. Like he can at least keep a guy away from the rim, sort of like yeah. Josh Gibson. You know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah, it's, I mean, I would trade for Simmons if the if the package was right, but for me, the package is not very big. It's like matching yeah, salary and like three first round picks that have some level of protection on them and like a fistful of seconds. And I'd say I, take, like, take honestly, that was that's basically the Harden package. So it's kind of insane that Maury won't do it, but yeah. I mean, I mean that, it's worse they, they, because you don't have the pick slops in there. But like they, they did, to be fair, like it wasn't just like it wasn't just matching salary. Like they did send out some pretty talented young players in that deal with Allen, uh, Levert, like that, that sort of thing. So yeah, but the, the Knicks can send over better picks. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, depending on how you view the Knicks own picks with that core, but as of right now, like this year's pick, yeah. you know, there's a chance that it would be like late lotto or something, which with a top 10 protection wouldn't get right. 
you know, would still get conveyed, which would be pretty decent. So, so what you have to do is is injure Luka Doncic so that the Knicks get, but make sure the Mavs don't go all the way into the top 10 because we want to keep the pick. <laughs> so it's got to be late lottery. So you injure him like 30 games into the season. Yeah, and next then, year. Yeah. yeah, and then that pick is valuable. Good, good stuff. You've got mail. Uh, all right. So moving to our next question, uh, more Randall, because like I said, we're kind of getting the Randall stuff out of the way first. Uh, Joyless Division on Twitter at JoylessDiviz13 uh, asked, just how screwed are we with Randall beginning a long-term contract next year and promptly turning into a pumpkin? My answer to this is pretty short. I definitely have given it on this pod before. I don't think the Knicks are screwed. I think that his contract, you know, he's not playing up to the level of a number one megastar player like he was last year, but he's not getting paid like one either. He's getting, you know, there are guys in this league that are making $50 million and his contract at its max is going to pay $29 million. Uh, so I have no problem with this contract. It would be very easily movable, I think, to some team that sees him and says, hey, we want to harness what he was in that year that earned him the contract on our team. Um, I think it could happen, you know, with the right coach or whatever in the right humbling environment, which uh, I it, there's another question right after this is going to ask, like, if we were going to send him somewhere, where would we? Um, so I won't answer that just yet. But like, I, it, you know, the contract is not an albatross by any stretch. And I don't think that he's totally turned into a pumpkin either. Like he's still shown that he can still do some of this stuff. It's just he's doing it at a lesser level, and there's clearly mm-hmm. some like focus and effort concerns this year, which are not great, but yeah. are not completely like damning to him. Yeah, I I have nothing to add. I think you're exactly right. All right, so we'll we'll move to our next question. But th- thank you for the question, Joyless Division. You've got mail. Uh, but our next question comes from. G baked uh, via the Discord. Shout out to G baked, a uh, long time uh, friend of us uh, via the PNT comment section way back when. Um, ignoring if it's the right move or not. If the Knicks were to trade Randall at the deadline, what teams would actually be interested? Do you have any that pop to your head as far as teams that would be interested if Randall became available? The Lakers. <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, yeah. if we're if we're being honest. Um, yeah. I'd actually like also maybe the Clippers because like once Kawhi and Paul George come back, they'd be pretty good if Randall was on the team. Yeah, that would be that would be an intriguing. T- like, I mean, you want to talk about switchy big wing type teams? I mean, then yeah. you have three guys that can handle the ball, and then with Morris as well, you know, like four guys that can handle the ball, shoot it, you know, pass pretty well, that sort of thing. I think that's definitely that's intriguing, and that it just I guess depends on. If the uh, if like the Clippers are able to sort of hang on long enough to to have that happen, um, or you know for that to be a good move for them, because right. I I mean I guess right now like even with how things are going for them at the moment, they're still hanging on in the Western playoff race. So yeah, I mean I think like for the first time in a while, the West is worse than the East. Yeah, um, I think Randall could. He would, I mean, it would basically be like the Knicks last year, right? If you, like, just plop Randall out of that team while George and Kawhi were out, he would probably, like, start playing better um, and could probably drive them into respectability enough to the point where when George and Kawhi do come back, they're, like, they're pretty solid playoff position. Um, You know, and I think once that 
if they did come back, like he would defer to them to, you know, run the offense. Yeah. He yeah, I think so. Be, he wouldn't be like trying to take over and like calling for 20 foot post ups every time down the, the floor. Yeah. I think the Sixers, even though we literally just talked about that a second ago, <laughs> I think they'd actually be interested. I mean, I yeah. think that if that became a last ditch Simmons offer and it was just like they just said, like, Simmons for Randall, straight up, take it or leave it. I, I think there's a, a decent chance that Philly would be like, yeah, okay. Yeah. You know, we'll do it. Like, because. Randall offers some of the similar things to what Simmons offers you. Mm. Better shooting, though, less, you know, less good as a ball handler, but good, good, really good passing vision when he's on, you know, which is Simmons like, um, you know, not quite as good of a defender. But I, I think that he and Embiid would mesh pretty well together and they would be just an unstoppable rebounding team, too, with those two. Um, so I think they would definitely entertain it. I think um, also, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if the Cavs are going to go for it, but like. That would be pretty useful for them, Randall. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know who they would even trade. If we Neither right. I mean, weirdly, for a team that's, like, really good, <laughs> I don't really know what assets they have. But <laughs> I think, like, well, I mean, they've got a lot of young players, obviously. Yeah, but not, like, contract-matching assets. Yeah, obviously, like, Mobley would be off the table. Um, yeah. So, you know, you're not going to get to look at someone like that. But, like, you might be able to talk, like, a Coro out of them. Um, as part of the the package, like yeah, I mean, I think like they'd probably be willing to trade him in that scenario because if you have Randall and Mobley, like, do you what do you even do with Akora? Yeah, exactly. So I think like, I mean, if they want to continue with their super large lineup, yeah, they could do like Randall in place of Markinen, yeah, and then just start bringing Markinen off the bench and then do right. Randall Mobley Allen, and that would be, I mean, that would be pretty nasty. That would be the ultimate test of like the people that say, well, Randall is actually a wing, yeah. Um, and then, you know, if you wanted to, from the Cavs perspective, match the salaries, you could pretty easily do that with, like, if you did a Coro plus uh, Markkinen, you're already there, I think. Right. Or you could do, like, a Coro, and let's say that they don't want to pay Sexton, and the Knicks have had interest there. Mm-hmm. So maybe they do a Coro, Sexton, and Chetty Osmond, maybe, although Osmond has actually been playing quite well. Yeah. Um. So that would be tough to get them to, you know, part with him, but... You could probably make it work with like Ed Davis or something too. Like mm. I think I think he'd be really Rich close. Yeah, yeah, he could be right back with the Knicks again. <laughs> um, yeah, you could find a way. You know, yeah. I, I think you could find a way to make that work, and they would they would potentially do it. Because um, you know, I think that would be pretty intriguing for them with the way that they've been playing with that super large lineup. I don't know how happy Randall would be with it, but. You know, yeah, what it is. No, I don't know. Um, and, and before we move on, like we we mentioned the Lakers, but didn't talk about them. That's just like the Lakers are a mess. So they'll they be just do fight. whatever they think would yeah. work. Yeah, whatever they think could give them literally anything. The problem is they would try to trade us Westbrook, and I no. I would only do that if they were going to be like, you know, we'll give you every Free first round picks, which they don't even have. Right? They, yeah, they already gave them all up for Westbrook and for I get swaps, swaps. I that think would, they already gave up all the swaps. They gave up the swaps too. Yeah, the Jeez. Pelicans have lots of picks and swaps from. Oh them. my god, they're embarrassing. <laughs> no, yeah, they're screwed. They've gone all in on this. All right, trade us LeBron. That's the that's it. Le- LeBron for Randall, I think would be yeah. pretty fair. To yeah. be honest, so yeah. I think we should just do that. Yeah. Or AD for Randall. I would. Oh, not, totally. Yeah, that would maybe give me pause. I'm not going to lie with how fragile AD's been. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously more talented, but yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's so fragile. I don't know. Like, I don't know how you can, you can potentially. We've already it. seen that 
uh, Anthony Davis and Randall can't play together, so you kind of have to trade Davis. Yeah, I think that's that's true too. So, yeah. all right, well, the evidence is all out there. Anthony Davis for Randall, I guess, is the deal here. Um, all right, moving to our next question. This also comes from G Baked. Uh, what is the most random non Knicks jersey you own for any sport? Um, unfortunately, I am not a jersey person, so I have zero Knicks jerseys. I have a Noah Syndergaard jersey and then some older Mets jerseys that I don't even fit me anymore. And I have a what Giants jersey? Is it Barkley? I don't, I don't think so. I don't even remember what Giants jersey I have. That, that's it. I'm not a jersey person. So yeah, I have I have an okay collection. I have some um I the football jerseys I I refuse to spend good money on cuz it's the Jets and I'm like no. Mm-hmm. Um but I do get them from a uh from a less than authentic state <laughs> nice. where where the jerseys <laughs> actually look pretty good. Um like you really wouldn't know them from the real thing uh just looking at them so I I'm satisfied with it. Uh, so I have currently an Elijah Moore and, a uh, Mackay Becton. I also still have the Le'Veon Bell one that I got off that site. Cause they literally are like $30 a piece if that. Um, so it's pretty easy to just get a couple. <laughs> uh, so I guess the Bell one qualifies as pretty random at this point. I have three Tracy McGrady jerseys. My most famous one is the Knicks one that I've worn to meetups and stuff, which is like, mm a really hard to find Jersey as I learned when I was trying to buy it. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have a Rockets T-Mac and a magic T-Mac Jersey um, just cause he's like my favorite player ever. Uh, what other non Knicks jerseys? Um, Can I answer for Zach? Yeah. I have a, uh, a ninja, a ninja Jersey from his, from his, uh, from his overwatch team or Does whatever. Actually, no, I'm sure. Oh, okay, I but, thought you were gonna say is his way too small mellow jersey. Even though that's not, yeah, I mean that's not random. Yeah, but it's still pretty funny. It is. It is funny, but um, I I hope first of all I don't even remember what game Ninja normally plays. I don't think he plays Overwatch. But I think he's a Fortnite guy. Yeah, Fortnite. That's what it is, right? Um, I the thing the fact that you had to ask me if that was true is all the proof I need that, that was a good good. Approach. Yeah, that was that was pretty good. Um, I thought maybe Zach told you that in confidence or something. Just like totally <laughs> yeah, I just revealed it to to all of our listeners. Yeah. Uh, no, I, as far as I know, Zach does not have any uh, any Twitch streamer jerseys. But you know, yeah. I'm trying to. You know, I've, I've been trying to think. Oh, you know what I have that's that I guess qualifies as kind of random at this point. I still have a Michael Vick Falcons jersey. Oh, from way back when. Nice and. A hot take: If anyone listens, like, oh, dog killer. No, Michael Vick is like the prime example of when the justice system in this country actually works. Yeah. Also like what is the point? I mean, I don't want to go down the road of justice system reform, but um, what he, he rehabilitated, like yeah. what is the point? If we're not going to accept people who rehabilitate themselves, he didn't commit like, I mean, it's dog fighting is bad obviously. But it's but, not literally murder. Like, right. He didn't commit a crime that is unfixable. Yeah. And and he acknowledged that it was something that he grew up with that he didn't think of as wrong because he had grown up yeah. with dog fighting his whole life. Yeah. So, like, it's, it's very sad for those dogs. And, yeah. You know, it's terrible that he did it, but... 
He gave like what two years, three years of his life to the prison system, and gave millions of his own money to dog charities yeah. and stuff, and now seems yeah. totally reformed. So, right. So yeah. So yeah, totally jersey, right. I dig that jersey. I like that one. Uh, I guess that's probably my most random. Um, I can't really think of another one that's like an oddball one that I have. So I think I think that might be the answer. Uh, is the the Vic jersey? You've got mail. So move to our next question. Uh, this one comes from the Discord. This comes from Gax. What's Grimes' ceiling vis-a-vis Quicks? Can they be similar? Is IQ's range what gives him the potential edge? What do you think, Matt? Especially with how great Grimes has been playing lately. This, I, I was, mean, this it, was asked two whole days ago. Yeah, it's really <laughs> concerning to me. Quickly has barely been able to shoot all year, and I feel like we're not really talking about it. Yeah, that's definitely a thing that's been happening. I mean, we've sort of just been writing it off as like, well, you know, he's just getting through some a slump or whatever. Yeah, but like, but like he's also taking very stupid shots. Yeah, like what RJ had was a slump. What quickly he's having now is unfortunately a trend. Which yeah, is like, I, I like wanted to strangle him last night yeah. during the Cavs game. Sorry, yeah. this you're going to hear this on, uh, on Wednesday. I'm talking about during the Cavs game on Monday night. Um, I wanted to strangle him. So that... There was one shot he – I don't remember the exact situation, but he, like, in transition, pulled up from, like, 34 feet for no reason. That was right towards the end of the game with, like, a yeah. and a half left. Yeah. yeah. And he just, like – you can see it's not going to go in because he, like, he, like, jumps and, like, throws his body forward. It's like, dude, don't fucking take that shot if you have to do that. Yeah, he is actually, surprisingly, only shooting – I mean, I say only. I guess it's somewhat big of a – but 4% worse from three on slightly more attempts. So he's actually making the same amount of The thing is, game. like, he – I'm not surprised by that because, like, I've seen – his numbers were, like, weirdly worse than I thought last year. Yeah, like, he shot, like, 40 – basically 40-40-90 last year. Yeah. And this year he's shooting 38-34-90. Like, I, I honestly would have told you quickly shot, like, 45% from three. Yeah, no, he shot thirty nine percent last yeah. year. So, you know, I I think I think he's working through it. I think that the playmaking uh, improvements have uh, sort of mitigated some of the shooting struggles mm-hmm. right now because he's still being an extremely useful player right yeah. now, um, and he plays well on defense. But honestly, I think at this particular moment, and I'm probably a prisoner of the moment. I think I think Grimes' ceiling is higher. Um, um, I, yeah, I, so there was a whole debate and I like, am not smart enough about basketball to even like recap it or offer my own thoughts between Schwinn and Benji this morning over like how did quickly have a good game last night or not. Cause Schwinn essentially Schwinn's point was quickly playmaking was like really good. He had a solid game and Benji's point was he shot one for 10. Mm-hmm. Which, like, yeah, or one of ten. Which, like, yeah, true. I mean, it's kind of hard to argue. Um, so, I, like, I, I mean, it, I see your point. Like, yeah, he's really gotten a lot better in pretty much every area of his game I went shooting this year. But, like, if he can't shoot anymore, but he's still going to be taking those shots that he, like, take, used to take and still takes, that's going to be a problem. And then, like, at that point, obviously, Grimes will be better. Well, essentially what happens if he if he caps out at that is going to be like, you know, like if he never figures out the shot and can't consistently hit like 40% of his threes with how he likes to play, then he'll essentially just kind of turn into almost like a like a l- less efficient Lou Williams or, yeah. 
or like a J.R. Smith type player where he's going to, it's going to be a lot of like, no, 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 yes, kind yeah. of things, you know, and yeah, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Maybe he does cap out as a, as just like a six man type of guy. Um, but, you know, we all had a lot higher hopes based off some of his shot creation and, and some of the games that he had last year where he managed to just like, like shoot the lights out as a rookie. And it's still in there. He has those games occasionally this year. Yeah, for sure. Like he's, um, he's had his occasional eruptions yeah. this year, but it just but, doesn't feel the same. No, you know. And like, I just like I never got mad at a single shot he took last year because even if it didn't go in, I was like, you know what? He like he's confident he can make that for a reason. This year, I'm just like, you're ruining the flow of the offense. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah. So whereas Grimes, I'm starting to think like more and more. And I mean, I know this is as lofty as lofty can be, but if Grimes hits his absolute ceiling. I think he could be. Ugh, I don't even want to say the name. If he hits his, if if he if he goes way above what we ever thought that he could be, I mean, he could potentially be like a Clay Thompson. <laughs> I, I, I'll just say, it. like, that's that's the reality. His defense, his is, defense is so good. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah, his defense is like future All NBA level. I think I, I feel pretty safe in saying, like, if he continues on this trajectory and somehow gets better. From how his defense is now, he's potential all NBA defender down the line. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the shooting, he's shooting like 40% this year on high volume. As long as that never falls off a cliff for him, he basically can be like, you know, Danny Green or something, like yeah. if things work out for him. Um, and then, you know, if he manages to start working in a few other shots here and there, and if he works on his you know, his handle a little bit. And if he can, if he can start shooting consistently, like 45% from three or something, then yeah, then you're potentially talking about a guy that if he could do that on volume with consistency across a whole game, he could potentially be like Clay Thompson if he, if yeah. things work out. So, you know, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but there is a chance that, that Grimes could turn out that way. I'm starting to think less and less that there is the outcome out there where, where IQ turns into Steph Curry. Right. <laughs> Based yeah. off of this year. Yeah. Um, so on the other hand, Steph Curry is just as bad right now. So exactly. So, you know, actually Steph Curry is worse than IQ. So what am I even talking about? Um, <laughs> IQ yeah. might turn into 2022 Steph Curry. Yeah, exactly. But so, I mean, yeah, long story short, maybe a little bit of a prisoner of the moment right now, but I think I would say that Grimes's ceiling is higher than quicks at the moment. Um, and quickly needs to start showing some more consistency yeah. if that's going to change. Yeah, I mean, that's like, I don't even feel like I can compare their ceilings given Quickly's clearly in a, like, at least shooting-wise, a real valley right now, and Grimes is like, just, you know, been insanely good lately, and that'll obviously, like, he's he's not going to be this good forever. Hopefully down the, like, long term he will be, but, you know, he'll go into a slump at some point. Um, so I don't even want to compare their ceilings necessarily, but I, I just think, like, it, like quickly, it's concerning to me right now how he's been playing. Yeah, for sure, for sure. You've got mail. All right, moving to our next question. This one comes from the Discord as well. Front page Jeff asks: Has playing Burks at point guard hurt his trade value? Yes. Uh, oh, you think so? Yeah. Okay, yeah. this is interesting. We have different answers. Then go ahead. Uh, yeah, I mean he's been bad starting at point guard for like. Like, overexposed is really the way I should say it. He's been, like, very overexposed. And so I think, you know, I mean, hurt his trade value in the sense that, like, I think teams can be a little harder line in negotiations. And, like, 
you know, like the leverage, the Knicks have less leverage is kind of how I'm thinking about it. If, if they were going to trade them, because like, it's easy for a team that wants to trade for him to go back. Like the Pacers, for example, I feel like is a common for whatever reason, destination for Barks. And like, it'd be easier for them to say, Hey, you know, this guy's clearly like a, a 20 minute a game role player. We, we, you've been playing him at, you know, he started however many games, 20, 25 games this year. And he's mostly been awful as a starter. Um, so, you know, he can't, he's not a point guard. He, he can't start. He's, uh, we're not, we're not trading a first round pick for a bench player. And, you know, maybe the Knicks will ultimately get a first round pick for him. But like, I think, yes, I think they're, lever- they have less leverage than they would have. They just continue to let him like come off the bench and be like solid and then occasionally like blow up for 30 point games like he did last year and for the first part of this year. See, I, I just don't think it really has hurt his value. Like, I think that his value is established already. So I think that other teams, you know, would maybe look at how he's been played and be like, that's stupid. We wouldn't use him that way. <laughs> but I don't ultimately think that they would be like, like try to, you know, really put it to the Knicks, you know, to be like, oh, well, you know, since Tibbs has been playing him at point guard and he's occasionally gotten exposed as, you know, not being a point guard, uh, that means that we're only going to give you one second round pick instead of two second round picks for him, mm-hmm. which he has a pretty firmly established price point having been traded four times in his career now at this point, I think mm-hmm. of he's basically worth like a late first or a couple of decent second round picks. Yeah. Um. So I just don't really see it where he's going to, you know, where suddenly like the price is going to go down on him just because of how Tibbs has been playing in this year. Like his percentages are still decent. You know, he still basically does what you expect him to do. He's, you know, a little lower on his overall field goal percentage this year. Normally shoots, you know, 42% for his career. He's at 38%, but is still shooting 40% from three on four and a half attempts per game. You know, he's actually averaging almost his career high in assists, you know, for as much as he hasn't been, you know, a a perfect initiator or whatever. Um, so I think teams would still look at him and just be like, he has utility. We can still give up two good second round picks for him or something. And that's a pretty firmly established price point. Maybe a throw in like retread, you know, second draft type player mm-hmm. uh, for him. And I think the Knicks could get that pretty easily. All right, fair enough. Yeah. So I, that's just me. I, if he was like a third year player or something, like if this was, if this was Obi Toppin, for example, and it was like Tibbs was playing Obi at the, at the three this year or something like that. And he was continually getting exposed on defense and stuff and, you know, whatever else, like, or, you know, if he was like point Obi, like (laughs) throw him out there and let him handle the ball all the time and try to do what Julius Randle does. Then I would say, yeah, maybe that affects his trade value because he's a second year player. But considering Burks has now a almost 10 year NBA career behind him. Actually, this is his 10th year, I think. So considering he's got a 10 year NBA career behind him where it's just like, you know that you could get a solid like 12 to 15 point per game scoring, you know, effort out of this guy off the bench every single night with about 40% shooting from three. I, I think nothing the Knicks have done this year has really affected his value to me. Right. Yeah. I agree with that. I see, I see your point. I'm, I, I think like, you know, if I'm saying her trade value, it's like pretty minimal, but I do think there's a possibility they could have gotten more had Tibbs not done this. That's also possible. I mean, if, if Tibbs played imperfectly, then maybe his value goes up. Right. But, and I think he was playing imperfectly for the most part. I mean, not like 100% perfectly, but like pretty pretty close to like perfectly for the most part before switching. Excuse me, before Kemba 
you know, got hurt and Rose got hurt. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think there's something to that too, you know? So maybe like, I guess my answer to this would be, I don't think it's harmed his trade value, but it has affected the potential to get more out of him. Okay. That's fair. Could have done. Yeah. yeah. Um, because uh-huh. he's actually locked up to a pretty affordable contract for two yeah. years and all that good stuff. You've got mail. All right, so moving to our next question here. This comes from Patrick Class uh, at Class underscore Patrick on on Twitter. Uh, Two part question here. So first part, Tibbs sees how Kemba is detrimental to the team. He benched Walker and he plays young guys he trusts extensively. IQ Grimes and RJ. Given that, do you think that the rotation concerns are fans missing the forest for the trees? Assuming the Randall situation equals front office politics what do you think Matt as far as that uh no um I think I don't really agree that he plays quickly and Grimes extensively I would say with Grimes lately he has been yeah but like he goes through those phases and then I guarantee you know like Grimes goes into a slump in a week and he's back to 10 minutes again at most um the fact is like Tibbs just doesn't he he does not like give younger players except RJ is the only one. Um, which honestly, good if you had to pick one player, or you don't want a young player to get like an infinite leash. Um, it should be RJ, but every veteran gets a giant leash. Randall's is basically like literally never ends. He could do anything and doesn't matter. Um, you know, Burks when he's playing badly doesn't really, for the most part, seem to get you know, removed um, for that Taj, as much as I love him, like probably is, is cooked and he still plays. Um, you know, it's, I don't uh, Fournier should be playing fewer minutes. Obviously Walker should probably be playing with the bench more really than I, I don't, I don't know that his minutes are like ridiculously high, but like he should, he and Fournier both should be playing with the bench more honestly. But um, yeah, I, I mean, the veterans just get much, much longer, much more latitude than any young player other than RJ gets. Yeah, I think I I sort of agree with you to a degree. I, I think ultimately what it comes down to is that Tibbs just puts every player into a certain box and he can't see any, like he is the antithesis of like the modern NBA yeah. approach of like, everybody is just a basketball player and just figure out how to put five basketball players out there that work. You know what I mean? He views everybody as like, okay, you know, this guy is a point guard. This guy, yeah. except for Burks. Burks is like the only one that he seems willing to flex that. Definition. Yeah, but that's only because he doesn't believe quickly as a point guard. Exactly. Yeah. So he's so, out with Rose and, and Kemba both hurt. Exactly. Or just with not liking Kemba, you know, so then he's like, right. well, I'll bench Kemba and I'll throw Burks out there yeah. because I see Rose as my backup point guard because Rose right. is even healthy for the first few of those games. Right. Um. But, you know, like with Quickly, yeah, he doesn't see him as a point guard. So he doesn't play him as a point guard. Grimes, he sees as a wing, you know, and so he actually has, you know, he, he then looks at the situation and says, okay, he, he is a wing and I like how he plays. So, you know, there is a hole in the lineup for a, a wing that can play like 20 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. And he, he will do that at the expense of Burks sometimes, you know, for yeah. Grimes. But mostly yeah. just because he loves how good Grimes is on defense and everything. Right. Right. Um, Obi, as your to your point that I think you're probably about to make is yes. Obi is a power forward, therefore he can only play when Randall's not playing. 
Exactly, because they're both a power forward. So there's no right. way you could ever, except for in the most breaking case of emergency of breaking case of emergency situations, <laughs> yeah, you can never play those two together because they're just not. Uh, one of them is not a center. So why would you play one as a center? Yeah, um, I mean, I said this in Discord recently. Like people constantly ask why Tibbs never considers playing Randall and Obi together. It's because he doesn't consider it. Like yeah. I'm using a different form of consider here. I'm using like a much more concrete form of consider but like it's not like he thinks about it and says no he doesn't even think about it yeah it's not even like on his brain right like so it doesn't happen because it doesn't cross his mind exactly yeah so i mean that's kind of where i'm at you know i i think some of it maybe is front office politics some of it is tibbs just having way too much faith in his veterans uh and yeah i don't think the randall stuff is front office like he's already been paid you know like there's not they don't need to worry about keeping him happy yeah, I think the last front office politics move was maybe the Elf situation last year. Yeah, but I mean, I also kind of am starting to believe it was Tibbs. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's it's also possible. I mean, I, I'm starting to kind of think that it, at least this year especially, they, they've kind of just given him free reign to do what he wants. Because yeah. he's been, you know, they're two marquee additions of the year. He has been not playing a lot, you know, yeah. like Fournier has to be playing great or he sits him down the stretch and right. Kemba, same deal. If he's not playing phenomenal, like Tibbs is not afraid to just say like, yeah, I mean, those are the, saying. those are the only two guys he'll like do that too. I mean, he does it to Randall occasionally, but like even yesterday, Randall went right back in the game when it was his time. Yeah. Yeah. And Randall, I think is honestly just the main one where it's just the Randall OB relationship. That is the main thing that's been the problem. Yeah. Like in that Tibbs just refuses to change anything with the Randall situation. And, yeah. you know, as a result, Obi suffers, uh, regardless of if Randall is mailing it in on any given night or not. Like Randall is going to get his minutes no matter what. He does actually, I think, hold some of the other vets at least somewhat accountable. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I was exaggerating a little bit, but like relative accountability, I think the young players are all quote unquote held much more accountable than the. For sure. I, I just think that the main the main personification of the whole issue is the Julius and Obi situation, and yeah. that's what gets most people into a fury. Yeah. Is those two, yeah, um, and, and that's just how. It's I, I mean, I, you know, I think part of it is I said this yesterday too during the game um, on Discord. I think part of it is Tibbs like believes the starters are better than the backups. That's where they're starters, and the backups are backups. So, like yesterday, when the starters came out in the third quarter and like pooped their pants. I can't put the backups in. They'll just be worse. Yeah. Which doesn't make logical sense, but I think that's how he's thinking about it. Like, you know, I think it was, I think it was, no, Dallas. Dallas was like, yeah, I think what he's thinking is the Cavs are playing better than we are. So, of course, if I put in my backups, they'll play even better against them because the backups are worse than the Stars. Yeah. And when it's in not, reality, he wound up closing the game with mostly backups. At the game. Right. Because he like he that he can recognize when he puts in the backups and they're playing better, but he won't like try it until it's their turn to come in in his normal rotation um, because he he just like he's just too rigid in his thinking about it. And it's just like, OK, I, it's never that the starters are like. I mean, it is the starters aren't executing, but it's almost as if, like, he's just accepting that he's been out game-planned. And he's like, well, it's not going to help to put in worse players. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I, I think he's just stubbornly stubbornly latched on to whatever his idea of what the game plan should be yeah. coming into the game until maybe, like, the fourth quarter. 
And that's when he's willing to maybe say, okay, I'll mix and match a little bit right down the stretch of the game, but not a second before that. Right. Um, yeah. So but then you end up in situations where the bench players that are in are exhausted because they've been playing for 18 minutes straight. Yeah. Which is just one of those things where sometimes it just has to happen because like the starters were that bad. So yeah, but it doesn't have to because if he would pull, if the start, when the starters come out and, and and shit their pants in the third quarter. If you pull them in the nine minute mark, you can then reinsert them beginning of the fourth quarter and give the bench players a little bit of rest, even if you're going to like return the bench players to the court. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you certainly could if uh, <laughs> you know if Tibbs was rational, but he's not. Right. That's that's my issue with that. Like, yes, of course, there will be situations in which the stars are playing like quote like relatively fine. The med players come in and just blow the doors off the building, and then it's like, okay, I'm going to keep them in. They're going to play 18 minutes straight because they're just like, you know, just destroying the other team. Yeah. But that's not what happened last night. The starters should have been pulled sooner, so that maybe you can essentially just flip the rotation if, like, you're reacting to what's happening in the game soon enough, and let the starters play a few more minutes and hope they don't like completely botch it in that time. But at least the bench players aren't exhausted at the end of the game. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Imperfect situation, but we got to keep moving on because we got so many questions. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> you've got mail. Moving to our next question, also from uh, Patrick Class here. How much different would this season be if Noel was healthy? Seems like consistent center play is a weak point for this team. And when he plays, the defense feels different. Uh, piggybacking off of that, did we as Knicks fans take Noel's play last year for granted? Um, I feel like I have a somewhat uh, simple answer to this. Like, would the season be super different? Uh, maybe. I don't know. I mean, because there would still be the issue of Mitch would have still had to get in shape and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. I think if you could have had a healthy and in shape Mitch and Noel from the start of the season, then yes, I do think things could have potentially been different because the interior D really suffered with Noel being hampered with that knee injury and Mitch being hampered with coming back from his injury and shedding all the extra weight that he had put on, you know, in the, in the attempt to to gain too much muscle yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah, um, it, yeah, it would have been different if both those two guys came in fully. I mean, the, the defense has been, as far as I know, essentially like at least a facsimile of what it was last year for the last month and a half or so. Yeah, um, yeah, they, they've been playing really good. It just like sucks so much worse than last year somehow that they, they keep losing, but. Which yeah. is honestly impressive because the offense wasn't good last year either, but it's like even worse now. Yeah. Yeah. And also like these last couple of days have been the first time that we've seen Noel truly look like himself from last yeah. year. This yeah. whole season. And, you know, to answer the second part of the question, I do think we took his play for granted a little bit. I think part of that is because Noel like has frying pans for hands and, you know, just embarrassed himself on offense all the time. But um, his defense is really good. I, I you know, I people like were so quick to, when he was playing injured this year, be like, see, he sucks. Why do we pay him? Um, but it's pretty nice. If if you're going to accept that, like, Tibbs is the coach, then you need Mitch and Noel because one of those guys is going to be playing all 48 minutes. And as I said earlier, Taj is cooked. He can't be playing. Yeah, although Taj, to his credit, I think has played a little better the last couple of games. A little bit, but, like, he really needs to be back in. He, like, he, he should be exposed very easily. He should so, be the third string center. Yeah, like he really not. he can't. I mean, the problem is either Mitch or Noel seems to be hurt all the time. So yeah. it's he's going to be playing, unfortunately. But it would be nice if if we could have them both healthy for for once. 
Yeah, I think basically, you know, I'm, I'm with you with Noel. You know, I, I don't necessarily know, like, I, I I don't feel like I took it for granted last year. You know what I mean? I think that it was just kind of like everybody knew what his limitations were. And I think that everybody zeroed in on what happened in the Hawks series where he essentially got ignored in favor of doubling Randall all the time just because he was that much of a non-factor on offense. But, you know, his defensive record speaks for itself. The Knicks had a top five defense with him anchoring it for most of last year. So, you know, it, that sort of just it it speaks for itself and he's a great defender. I do think, you know, again, if they would have had both those guys totally healthy this year, um, you know, for, for the whole time, Mitch and Noel, yeah, maybe things are a little different because part of why the defense was so bad earlier in the year is the fact that they just couldn't count on consistent rim protection, um, which they now have Tibbs' favorite thing, the 48 minutes of rim protection between those two, if they could ever just, as you said, both stay healthy. You've got mail. Uh, but to move to our next... A uh, little grouping of questions here. This comes from uh, Far Off The Mark in our Discord, but uh, Mark is also on Twitter at Far Off The Mark with a C. Which former or current Knicks player has the lowest B-ball IQ? Uh, J.R. Smith, Ennis Cantor, Emmanuel Moutier, Julius Randle, Mitch, or insert name of choice? I think that's really cruel to Randall and Mitch to be. Yeah, seriously. What the hell, Mark? I mean, that is fucked up. <laughs> yeah, that's that's quite the group to put those two I'm, in. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw Barniani out there though. Yeah, Barniani definitely deserves to be on the on the list. And maybe is the answer. I think What is he doing, folks? Yeah. <laughs> um I I actually think this is probably a hot take, but I think Jared Smith does not have low basketball IQ, I think he's just like wildly overconfident. I think he has bad basketball IQ based off, of, not based as much off his Knicks tenure, but based off his Cavs tenure. Like, think about the iconic, the LeBron I mean, that was... Like, Why, JR? Yeah, that, was, that was very dumb, but... And that's not the only time he's done something similar to that. I, I don't know. I think he's just like a, like a goof, and he... I think he usually is pretty aware of what the situation is, and he just, you know... Anyway, whatever. It's it's Barniani. Yeah, I think, like, as far as the other guys, like, I think Cancer actually has, if we're going to talk about B-ball IQ, or sorry, and his freedom. Yeah. Uh, if we're going to talk about B-ball IQ, like, I think he actually is not that bad. Like, you could tell by the fact that he knows, like, he has a, a ridiculous post-moves package yeah. and everything else that, like, he knows basketball, and he's a student of the game. He just willfully chooses not to play defense. I don't even know if it's – I mean, it is obviously somewhat willful, but I think he's just, like, is just bad at it. Yeah, that's also – he's you just slow-footed, you know? Yeah, you can be bad at defense yeah. or offense, for that matter, um, and still have a good – I agree with you. I was going to say the same thing. I, I, You can, like, understand the game well and just be bad at certain parts of it. Yeah. Moutier, I guess, was also not – Moutier probably sm- falls in the J.R. Smith category. I've, I've like, just blocked – Moutier out of my memory. I barely remember. I mean, like I remember him being on the Knicks, but I barely remember anything he did. Yeah. I've kind of tried to block him out too. I just remember, I mean, it was basically, it was just a, not a fun experience because he was just like turnover prone and not super good at basketball. Definitely couldn't shoot from like anywhere on the floor yeah, anything like that. So yeah. uh, I mean, whatever. I'm, I'm pretty much, I, I don't think he has very high basketball IQ either, but I'm with you. I think it's Barniani. 
Yeah. Um, and Mitch, yeah, just, Mitch has good basketball IQ. Yeah, on he's certain just, aspects. And so, like, like I okay, we all hate Randall, but like. He knows. I mean, he's not. He's not a stupid player. No, Randall. I mean, Randall's anticipation when he's at his best, he makes some dimes. Like you cannot make the passes. He he's still doing that. I mean, it's like I think his passing has been just as good this year as it was last year. It just can't make shots. Depending on the game, yeah. I mean, I think he's had a little bit harder of a time with doubles this year, for whatever reason. But like, maybe it's just because he doesn't feel confident enough to just pull real quick. Yeah, for a shot yeah. in those. And that's the problem. I think that's the problem is he just yeah. won't. He's not confident in his shot, and he just won't pull when he should be. Yeah, exactly. So, but I don't think he has bad basketball IQ. And and no. Mitch, I mean, you can't be as good of a defender as Mitch. No, no, Mitch is like a savant actually because yeah. he barely played basketball and was like an amazing defender coming into the NBA. Exactly. So, so terrible, terrible attempt to. I know that Mitch is like. As much as I love him, pretty stupid outside of basketball, but I, I think he like is very smart about basketball. Yeah, yeah. He makes he makes some very hilarious comments. So like yeah. Berman, Berman, calm yeah. down. Yeah. Um <laughs> anyway, all right, we'll get to our next question from Mark after that terrible attempt to slander Randall and Yeah, come on, Mark. Um Good do time. better, Mark. Anyway, he's doing better right here. You've got mail. Which smile is worse, Kemba's constant smiling or Fizz's in that Milwaukee game? Literally no contest. You think it's Fizz's? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I think Kemba's has been getting on my nerves a bit. I don't mind it at all. Like, whatever. Kemba's happy. It's fine. He's, like, enjoying playing basketball. It just annoys me because he and Randall have both kind of been doing this to a decent amount. After every single one of these losses, I, like, want to rip my hair out. And I'm like, I am so pissed. Like, they should have won this game, whatever. You could see generally, like, RJ seems to usually look dejected, whatever. Uh, Kemba and Randall have been all smiles way too much when they're, like, down big to shit teams and stuff this year. It, it does annoy me. I, I think good for them for being, like, you know, emotionally enlightened. I guess. I don't know. I mean, wouldn't you just say the Fizz is emotionally enlightened then, too? Sure, but he, like, still needs to learn how to do rotations. <laughs> 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 that doesn't answer now. All right. Well, so Kemba needs to learn how to play better too. Yes, that's fine. I'm not saying that he doesn't. I'm just saying like I don't mind Kemba smiling because, you know, if he's having fun playing basketball, then good for him. Maybe maybe Fizz was having fun coaching that blowout. Yes, that's that blowout. stupid. Like his, the difference is even like the coach's job is literally solely – not Kemba's job is obviously to win games too, but like it's a little – different contextually fizz literally should only be winning games and when you're like i mean you should not be sitting there just like cracking up when you're down 38 points on walking in the third quarter yeah i mean i don't know i guess i'm gonna say they're equal but i respect the the decision i think you're being tough i think you're being very tough on kemba i think you're being too not tough on kemba personally well but he's my brother (laughs) <laughs> really you two I, I should have seen it you two yeah, look exactly alike. i know it's, it's uncanny so i i don't know why you didn't catch on sooner you know what's funny is you ended up the taller brother too I, I, <laughs> I did. even though he's the professional basketball player yeah i mean the thing is like i was about to say it's it's rare but honestly you know for both of us and for zach since we're all the same height like we're probably taller than like a third of nba players yeah yeah i mean every almost every point card yeah, and, basically most of the guards, you know. Yeah, like, like probably like half the shooting guards are like right at our height. 
I mean, having been in the same room as like RJ too, I mean, he's like six, six, you know, so it's like an inch, but like basically see to eye to eye, you know what I yeah. mean? So yeah, it's, it's nice being tall. But they feel a lot bigger because I don't know if I've talked about this on here, but like, I, I don't know if you feel this way, but like whenever I look someone in the eyes, I feel like they're gigantic because I'm used to looking down at people. Yeah. Um, oh, and if they're taller, forget about if it. If they're taller, yeah. But even if they're the same height as me, I feel like, like when I look at you and Zach, I feel like you guys are six inches taller than I. Um, no. See that now, same height. I feel just kind of on a level playing field, but like, no, it really because I'm so nice. I, I like, I never, I, I can't remember other than when like it's just so rare that I talk to somebody who I'm looking in the eyes. Yeah, yeah. I so guess I'm just I, not I mean, used it, is, to it. it is bizarre, but the people, the weird thing people for forget me, it. They feel like they're ten feet tall. Yeah, the weird thing for me is like Mitch. Like looking up at Mitch, I'm like Jesus Christ. Yeah, I would feel like a child if I were. Yeah, I'm just like I've never felt small like this in my life. It's very yeah. But like even the thing, like the difference is, I think, I mean, maybe not Kemba because he's like a good four inches shorter than I am. But um, like RJ, yeah, two inches taller than me probably. If I like, he would feel also like a giant because he's also a lot bigger than I am. Like Randall, forget it. I mean, Randall's five inches taller than I am, but he would feel like he was sixteen feet taller than I am because of how big he is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's just built like a house too. Yeah. So that's, that's part of it. But anyway, um, that yeah. was, how do we get on that topic? That was quite a tangent that yeah. went on from the smiling thing. Anyway, thank you for the questions, Mark. You've got mail. Moving to our next question. This one comes from Twitter. Blind angel at blind Hernandez. I don't know if that's meant to be Hernandez or Hernandez. Uh, if, when Tibbs gets fired, who do you want to take over? Johnny Bryant is the obvious choice for in-season, but if it happens in the off-season, who are some candidates, excuse me, that would interest you? Matt, what do you think? I mean, there was that report that they're grooming Bryant to replace Tibbs, right? That seems to be like, I'm guessing that's who it would be if they fired Tibbs. Um, Yeah. I I mean, that seems logical. I mean, otherwise, why would they have gone out of their way to hire him away from the Jazz Mm -hmm. with that Mm -hmm. Walt Perrin connection, all that stuff? So. Who would interest me? I, I don't really know. Um, like, I don't remember who I wanted them to hire when they hired Tibbs. Um, I wouldn't want another co- – like, as much as Tibbs has done a good job sort of – like, for all that we complained this year, they're, they're sitting at basically 500. They are on track to – like, if this was any other year in the East, they would be the seventh seed. Yeah, five hundred. Yeah. It's, it's we have like four teams this year in the East who have been playing way over their heads. Yeah, exactly. So like, if this was any other year, they would be they would be like the seven seed this year. That was all they. Other than the one season, that was all they ever achieved in the Mellow era. So yeah. I, you know, I do give Tibbs credit for restoring some level of core competence. But my main thing, and I don't even have a particular name, but I, I would just, and maybe it's Johnny Bryant for that matter. But I would want to go after someone who has never been a head coach in the NBA that mm-hmm. wants to shake things up that wants to yeah. do things differently and find like the next wrinkle, you know, yeah. that, that makes their team better than they should be. The, what frustrates me is like, if someone could just convince Tibbs to be a little less rigid with his, with his player, you know, like the box defense players. And like you're saying, this team would be significantly better. So like, I think they could also be worse. I think Tibbs is basically a, like, a mediocre coach unless you give him the exact right roster. Last year, he had the exact right roster. Weirdly, even though I think they're more talented this year, it's a worse roster for Tibbs, which is why they've been worse. Yeah, I think so too. And and also just with the struggles that the starters have had and stuff too, that kind of just shines a yeah. brighter light on the whole yeah. 
like Tibbs is way too rigid, isn't willing to play, you know, bench guys more minutes just because they're bench guys in his mind, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, but I, I wouldn't, I guess, so I'm agreeing with you though. I Like my point is ultimately as much as I'm annoyed with Tibbs, I wouldn't want to replace him with someone like, I don't know, like Doc Rivers, you know? Yeah, no, I w- that's yeah. exactly my point. I would not want to get another, I mean, I, I struggle to use the term retread because some guys legitimately, I think, do deserve another yeah. chance in the NBA. But I wouldn't want to go out there and, and do like, like what the Mets did this year, for example, and be like, let's go get like Buck Walter. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I mean, I was, I was not happy with that. It was, it wasn't shocking, but um, yeah. yes, that's exactly what, yes, I agree. Like Doc Rivers would be the, would be the basketball. Yeah. Of yeah. Football. I mean, really what we're trying to say is go, go get Kurt Rambis from the Lakers. It's time. Yeah. I think, Graham you Hall. know, I don't know if we've seen enough of Rambis as a head coach. He's only yeah. ever been an interim, I think. So yeah. bring him home. Bring him home. I think it's it. about that time now. Yeah. The triangle. It's time to bring the triangle back. Julius yeah. could only ever thrive if we set up. The Actually, if we're trying to bring the triangle back, Derek Fisher has a full team of of people whose girlfriends he has not slept with yet. So, oh, there you go. <laughs> or we could just lure Phil Jackson back out of retirement. Yeah, perfect. I I was debating whether I wanted to make that joke about Derek Fisher, but uh, <laughs> we can leave it in. <laughs> I mean, it's a thing that happened. So. Yeah, I just don't know if I don't, I don't know if everybody knows about it. But well, here's the long and the short of it. He slept with Matt Barnes's wife, and then Matt Barnes, yeah. while he was coach of the Knicks, like drove to his house and tried to beat his ass. Yeah, well, there was that. That's actually not what I was thinking about. Um, I was thinking about, and you, Alice, you can you can cut this if if you want. I was thinking about how he like there are very strong rumors that he slept with Tim Hardaway's girlfriend. Oh, I never heard that one. But yeah, okay, we'll leave it in. Who cares if now people can look it up? I mean, I don't. But I I don't I. I don't think I'm making this up. I'm pretty sure I remember reading a bunch of rumors about that, like he slept with Timmy. Uh, obviously, Tim Hardaway Jr. Not Tim Hardaway Senior. Um, well, I guess not obviously, but I mean, maybe he could have slept with Tim Hardaway Senior's uh, girlfriend too back in the day. I think. Well, I, I mean, that would just be Tim Hardaway Jr.'s mom. I think he's still married to her. But um, yeah, you never know. Yeah, you never but know. Anyway, the point is. You know, we got a whole whole slew and fifteen new guys for for Derek to to try to uh, get the, the people there. Chemistry via adultery of some sort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good times. All right, moving to our next question. You've got mail. Uh, we got two questions from Zan Rosen in the Discord. Um, Zan first asks, "Are you guys leaning towards selling or buying at the deadline, and why? And who would you trade or trade for?" So we've already sort of talked about this with Randall a little bit, but uh, Matt, what would your overall strategy be as far as buying or selling at the deadline? I would mostly sit tight. I would trade Burks. I like him, but like I think Burks, if you want to unlock um, getting the the younger players to play more, I think like Burks is the easiest way to do that. I still think it's possible Tibbs will just like because then Derrick Rose will come back, and like obviously Derrick Rose needs to play. But like he'll just find a way to to continue not playing Obi. But um, I I think Burks is the one you trade, and I would essentially sit tight. Otherwise, I, I know there are a bunch of rumors about there about them getting Jalen Brunson, which would be fine with me. I mean he's he's solid. Um, I just don't know. Like I, I think it would depend on what they'd have to give up for him. Um, but yeah, ultimately I I would say I would, I would prefer that they like mostly mostly sit tight. Yeah, I'm so my general thought is like I don't have a black or white answer about whether I want them to be a buyer or a seller. 
I think it sort of falls in between. Like I'm totally with you. Trade Burks. I think it just makes too much sense. Um, you know, you just acquired Reddish and like as much as, you know, you can say however much you want, like, Oh, he's got to work his way in, blah, blah, blah. I agree with all that, but you don't give up a first round pick no matter how protected yeah. for a player, unless you want to play him and they have a season and a half to evaluate him and the clock is already ticking. So you got to get him playing time sooner mm-hmm. than later to start mm-hmm. figuring out what you have with him. Um, and getting rid of Burks is the easiest way to do that. Cause it's obvious now, and rightfully so, Grimes is not going to lose any playing time. Right, and you can just insert Radish right into Burks' minutes for the most part. You don't want him throwing a point Exactly. Line, but, but. Yeah, and you know, in theory, he sort of gives you that same thing where he's like a guy who in high school and he was supposed to in college, you know, have a little bit of playmaking chops, you know, but mostly is just out there to score the ball, pull up shooting, stuff like that. Probably doesn't do it at as good of a level as Burks at this point, obviously. No, he's worse than Burks, but that's not really the goal here. So You want to see what you have and let him work through it a little bit and start evaluating if you want to extend I want to I, I want to see him play with RJ, too, because there's obviously chemistry between them, and so that would probably be the easiest way to ease him in. Um, so I'm not, you know. Yeah, even was, though there was talk that, like, Cam was sort of the odd man out. That was just bourbon, like, making shit up. What are you talking about? <laughs> No, I, I do seem to remember those sort of things coming up because Reddish did have a really bad year while those two were, like, making their case for being, you know. I mean, he, yeah, Reddish was not good that year, but, like. Uh, and it often looked like like RJ and Zion kind of played a two-man game and Reddish was just kind of long for the Well, that was, I think that was Coach K because he, like, he does not know how to coach anymore. And yeah. he would just, the thing is, RJ that year, like, was pretty much significantly worse than everyone thought he was going to be also. He was still good, but he was like way worse than everyone thought. And then Zion came out of nowhere. No one expected him to be as good. Way better than he was supposed to be. Yeah. But, but coach K still like would draw plays for RJ at the end of games when, even though no one in college basketball could cover Zion because, you know, he was less fat and was actually trying back then. Um, Yeah. So no, I, you're right. I mean, Reddish was kind of frozen out, but I don't think that was, I would imagine he wasn't blaming RJ or Zion for that. Yeah. Well, anyway, getting back to present day, whether Berman's right or not. But <laughs> also, I love Berman. He, also, I love Berman. He's a god. Anyone who anyone who doesn't like Berman is an idiot. However, yeah. he's wrong. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, you know, not everybody can bat a thousand. Um, yeah, he bats nine ninety nine. It's fine. Exactly. It's fine. You know, you miss yeah. one in every thousand. It's okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so. It, First off, you got to free up minutes for Reddish, so, you know, get Burks out of there. But then, you know, I don't know if if it would be considered being a buyer or a seller if you just kind of make some moves around the margins. Like, you know, pick up a few guys you could sort of get on the cheap and give a little tryout to. Um, You know, maybe some Reddish-esque players, you know, guys that you can sort of acquire for less than what you pay for Reddish. But if there's someone that you can get for a fistful of seconds and, you know, give a tryout, that's sort of a second draft type player um, thinking sort of along the lines of like, uh, they're not going to get him obviously, but like Jarrett Culver with, uh, mm. with Memphis this year, they sort of like took a shot. Love Jarrett Culver. What's that? You love Jarrett Culver, don't you? I mean, I, I didn't like him as much as everybody else. Back oh, well, maybe I missed him. Who was it that you were obsessed with in that draft? Brandon Clark. Yeah, Brandon Clark. Clark. Yeah. Sorry. Which has been a guy that I've said that I want to get for a while now. Yeah. So, like, he's actually playing a little less in Memphis this year. Uh, but I just think that they're not going to disturb anything because they're playing so well. So, like, no, they're, they're, they're not, they're not doing anything. Yeah. yeah they're just going to hang tight. So they'll keep him even if he's playing less this year, just because they're like, we don't want to screw up the rotation at all because we're playing 
way above our weight probably yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but that's that's a guy I would love to get, and that's a name I brought up. He looked like he was kind of falling out of the rotation earlier this year, but then sort of reclaimed his spot a little bit. So I think that dream is dead. Um, but I would make moves like that, you know, try to get like some second draft type guys, you know, guys that you think can improve your style of play and stuff like that. Mm. Um, find a new home for Kemba, hopefully. Just because at this point, you know, he had his fun moment. He had the 40-whatever point game. He had the great game on Christmas, you know, the triple-double, all that shit. Cool. Moment's over. Uh, he's back to sort of being a detriment to the team now, and it seems like RJ doesn't play as good when Kemba's playing. Yeah. So get him the fuck out. Um, at this point, it was it was a cool story <laughs> and whatever, and the jerseys will make great collector's items, but that's and it. Um, I... Um... Do have to get going. I I really want to answer Schwinn and James's questions. So and also Zach still isn't here yet somehow. All right. Um. So let's finish Zan's question and then speed uh, through James and Schwinn. Through James and Schwinn. Zach's punishment for being twenty minutes later than he said he was going to be is to not get to answer those. You've got mail. Okay. All right. So second question from Zan Rosen is RJ better than Randall now? I yes, I think so. I mean, I, I said this to you the other day, actually, Alex. Um. I, I think he is because your argument against was let's wait to see if, if RJ has another ridiculous shooting slump and he kind of is slumping right now, but he's still finding ways to score. Yeah. I think my general assessment of one versus the other is I think that RJ is playing much more within himself right now, which has led to him mm-hmm. playing better. I think raw talent wise, I think Julius still has a better handle, you know, when he's, his most on, I still think he's a little more potent than RJ. Yeah. Is at the moment. Um, Randall's more skilled at creating something for himself out of nothing. Whereas RJ is a little more reliant on his teammates to, which there's nothing wrong with that. Basketball is a team game. So, but like RJ is not quite as capable of just being handed the ball and just being told to do something with it uh, at this moment. So I still think I give Randall the edge just in raw talent, but I will say that RJ is playing better at the moment, though I still think that Randall has more talent. Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's no argument in favor of RJ not playing better. <laughs> yeah. He's definitely playing better. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I see your points there. I agree with yeah. that. Uh, all right, so our next question, and I wonder if we're going to have the same answer for this one. You've got mail. Um, so from Schwinn uh, in, the, in the Discord, Schwinn says, what's the worst sports loss you've endured as a fan, and how does it compare to what I experienced as a Bills fan on Sunday? <laughs> okay, so why don't you – I know that you were, like, excited to answer this. So you answer while I prepare to leave so I can literally run out the second I answer James' question. And okay. I'll hop in in a sec. So Schwinn also says to debate whether or not we think he cried after the game. Uh, I will say I cried after my moment, which James was totally prepared to, like, give me shit for. Uh, cause James apparently isn't in touch with his feelings enough to cry over sports. But, uh, I- I'm going to say that Schwinn probably shed a few tears, mostly angry ones, but maybe a couple of disappointed, sad ones as well. Um, I won't say with a hundred percent certainty, but like I've been around Schwinn watching football before and like he gets pretty freaking into it. Uh, so the, my worst experience was, uh, a Mets loss, which was the 2006 NLCS, uh, the game that ultimately sent the Mets home. Uh, it was game seven, and it was uh, at Shea Stadium at the time. Uh, City Field wasn't around yet. 
and it was the game where Andy Chavez makes this like insane grab to uh, rob a home run at one point. Uh, the Mets like made sort of a well. Was, all right, so it was a real tight game, you know, sort of a pitching duel, and then Yadier Molina, who has had a really long career since then, but at that time, you know, was still somewhat young, could not hit home runs for shit, just absolutely blasts a home run. Uh, in I think it was the eighth inning, if I'm remembering correctly, and it was just a total backbreaker um, because it was such a, a stingy pitching performance that day that it uh it was just you know you kind of felt like that was it, but then the Mets get the heart of their lineup up, managed to get I think it was two men on base, right? I don't remember if Beltron ended up having the, the bases were loaded. He had three men on base, right? Yeah, yeah. and down by two, and. Beltron comes up with two outs. Beltron was like an MVP candidate that year. Uh, he should have won MVP. I mean, it's insane that he didn't. That's yeah, yeah. I don't want to derail, but it's insane with, that he won MVP. There. With the Mets as good as they were that year and with how good his stats were, I agree. He was the best player on the best team yeah. in the entire MLB. Yeah. And fucking Jimmy Rollins won MVP yeah. because the Mets had too many good players. Yeah, yeah. Because he and Delgado and Wright were all like, yeah, ridiculous. Like, all hit 100. And then, by the way... In 2007, when David Wright should have won MVP, oh, here's Zach finally. When David Wright Whoa. should have won MVP, uh, <laughs> so, um, I don't know who who won Ryan Howard because the Mets were the Mets blew it at the end of the season. It's ridiculous. They just kept making excuses to not give the Mets MVPs. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Any, anyway, so after that moment, that was incredibly heartbreaking for me um, when. Uh, when Beltron went down looking and probably should have gone down swinging and gone after that pitch, it was to my eye right down the middle and he should have absolutely taken a hack at it instead tried to look it in for a, for a ball four. And that was just foolish to begin with because you know that the ump is just looking to make it about him in that situation and wants to call a strike three, you know, and do the whole punch out and everything um, rather than walk home a run in the bottom of the ninth inning with the bases loaded. So, uh, yeah, that was really painful. I definitely bawled my eyes out after that because that was a – I really got attached to the Mets that season and, like, really was, like, along for the ride. And to have it all end like that when I thought it was going to be a World Series was pretty pretty devastating for me. Yeah, so um, my answer is the same. <laughs> um, I will say we've had this argument a bunch of times. I don't blame Beltran for not swinging at that pitch. So Adam Wainwright – who, you know, I think if you follow baseball, you know, probably a Hall of Famer. That was his rookie year. He was coming out of the bullpen, and he threw possibly the best curveball anyone's ever thrown, and it froze Beltron because it looked like a ball until it got to him. And if he swung, he would have just, like, grounded out meekly. It really would have been no different. I really can't blame him for not swinging. Um, it's unfortunate that he became a pariah among Mets fans for that, and, you know, I know that you're not saying that, Alex, but it's just, like, ridiculous because – he was really good for, for the rest of the time with the Mets. But, um, I mean, I never held it against him because of the yeah. season that he had prior. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I mean, that, that's that's definitely the answer. I, I mean, the fact, like, it's just insane that after Andy Chavez's catch, they didn't win that game. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it, that, that was the most heartbreak I've ever had over that. Um, do we want to do James's real quick before we send you off? You can let Zach answer Schwinn's question. I have, like, I can, I can go for five more minutes. So you can okay. let Zach answer Schwinn's and then we'll do James's real quick. Zach, what is your most heartbreaking uh, sports moment? By the way, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for showing up. 
Hey, hey guys. <clears throat> yeah, I, I'm surprised you noticed me right away. That was actually very impressive on that part. <laughs> it was great work. Um, my most tragic sports memory? Um, probably, uh, is it Jets-Steelers? It's so pathetic that I don't even have any because I'm so dead inside when it comes to sports. Um, I'm not as big of a Mets fan, so I like the Mets a lot. I, I consider myself a Mets fan, but uh, it's definitely Knicks and then Jets before them. <clears throat> so that that Jet Steelers game after the you know the week before <laughs> was pretty fucking pathetic. But uh, I can't say Did I you cried. Some fucking context for the listeners, you idiot. <laughs> what what context do you need? Nobody knows what game this is. Oh, this, didn't I just say the Steelers? Was you just said Jets Steelers, Zach? <laughs> Steelers. Everyone knows what that is. I, I don't Alex, know what, you know what I'm talking about. I I don't remember what that is. It's the AFC, is he? AFC Championship. Yeah, yeah. I, I I didn't think I had to be. Did, did you think I was talking about a regular season game from like? Five no, years? I know it was a playoff game, but Alex. <laughs> Alex well, there's only there's only one, and they came out. No, it was from sixty-seven. And I'm not a Jets fan, so I don't know yeah, what you're yeah. talking about. Okay, that's fair. Uh, it was after – do you know what the can't wait game is? No. Okay, so uh, the Jets beat the Patriots, which was fucking awesome, and probably the biggest sports win I've ever had, I think, which is also sad because this was like a decade ago. Um, <laughs> and after the game, they they, they give <laughs> the, the guy goes to interview Bart Scott. Bart Scott's not listening to the guy's – Oh, game. that's he the game. goes off. That's the campaign thing, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. He's just going off. And they're like, oh, he asked him something about the Steelers. He goes, can't wait. Yeah. Okay. It just shit the bed. <laughs> yeah, now I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so that, that it was probably that. Okay. You've got mail. Uh, so we'll move to James's uh, part of the question here. How do you feel about me laughing hysterically at the thought of a grown man crying because of sports fandom? <laughs> I just I say, get more in touch with your feelings. I, no, it's okay I think to cry. Right. Schwinn deserves all of our ridicule. Um, he's a loser. And Did you know. cry over the Mets when they lost? No, I, I don't cry over sports. Uh, uh, see, I cried over the Mets when they lost. I was I was definitely devastated. 16-year-old me was was definitely devastated in, after the NLCS. And again, in 2015, um, when they lost the World Series. But I uh, I don't cry. I, I think it's okay to let it out sometimes. <laughs> like, I'm not we, saying that you're wrong. I just want to – it's just funny to make fun of Schwinn. Yeah, That's I mean, true. if you think about it, sports seasons are long. Like, some of them are like – they take up a solid, like, half year of your life that you spend, like, super invested in, like, one of your better teams. You know, like, like that Mets team was so good that it was like – you just had this feeling like, okay, this is going to be it. They're going to win the World Series, like – the 20th anniversary of their last one. like Yeah, it, it really did feel like fate. I mean, they won almost 100 games that year. Yeah, and so, like, you really start getting into the, you know, the feel of, like, all right, this is happening, and then, like, to have it not happen, like, I totally get it. Like, and for Schwinn this year with the Bills, I mean, if I was a Bills fan this year, like, and I know <laughs> Schwinn's a What a rough big, way to lose to not even, like, the Bills don't even get to take the field in overtime. Yeah, like, Schwinn is a big Bills fan, too. Like, I would not fault him a bit if he shed a few tears over it. So, I right. say James um, needs to get more. You've got mail. Also, James asked, you can you guys can answer his questions in a sec, but James asked, if the sky, why is the sky blue? So right, spot, don't they say it's the ocean reflecting off the sky? Reflecting off something? The atmosphere? I, yeah. I think it's the, the atmosphere. All right, bye, Matt. <laughs> bye. 
I think it's all the all the elements in the atmosphere that like the nitrogen and shit, like then yeah, it does like reflect the the ocean. Yeah, it's something like that. Of. It doesn't then, really make a whole lot of sense to me, but Well I and then and then the reason that the reason that like if you ever notice if you're somewhere and you're like, Wow, the sky's so blue right above me, and then you look like way out on the horizon, like during the summer, why it gets so much lighter out there is because of pollution now, apparently. Oh and, yeah. Like, and like all the shit in the atmosphere now, like it <laughs> thanks used for to be. bringing that one. Thanks for bringing the mood down, bro. <laughs> oh, hey, was the mood that high to begin with? Yeah, I was our, picturing our... like this beautiful, cloudless blue sky on a summer day. Nope, nope, we're destroying <laughs> that. We're destroying that along with the whole earth. Get used to it, buddy. Soon sure. it'll just be a red fire sky <laughs> as we all incinerate uh, to death on on the surface. Yes, come um, on, you're hot. <laughs> all right guys you asked way too many freaking questions so thank you for doing that because we love that you guys like asking us questions and hearing what we have to say however uh we're splitting this into two parts so uh we'll be back tomorrow with the second part keep your ears out for that till next time though till tomorrow peace out everybody we'll talk to you in about 24 hours time Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you mean cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. Yeah. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.